Everyone welcome our new sponsor, Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the premier source for THC products. The team at Diet Smoke sent us gummies to enjoy while we horror and chill. My favorite are the Great Sleep Gummies. And mine are the Cherry Lime Gummies. So with a wide range of strengths and doses, Diet Smoke promises to find the perfect product for you. Whether you want something strong to unwind, a boost of energy to keep you going, or a lighter option for a mellow high, Diet Smoke has you covered. They understand everyone is different, which is why they're dedicated to helping you find the perfect product. Their customer service team will be by your side, helping you along the way. Diet Smoke has cannabis gummies, shots, and vapes, each one made to deliver the best balance of flavor and effect. So don't settle for less and join the Diet Smoke community and discover the buzz for you. Visit dietsmoke.com today and use code DFWTO for 50% off any item and enjoy your journey to cannabis bliss. Diet Smoke, your partner in finding the perfect THC products. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper and Becky from the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. All right, guys. uh, Tonight we have a new real life um, true story movie episode about the Pope's Exorcist that is on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for about a month now. And uh, it is about Gabriel Abort. Is it Morth or Mort? Amorth. Okay. Amorth. Because I kept, I swear I kept hearing Amorth. And there's, well, the the Italian accent. The accent. <laughs> Which, beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But. Right. But yeah, we're going to be talking about that tonight. Um, Gabriel, or yeah, Gabriel Amorth was a real man. And um, he actually was the Pope's exorcist. And it's very cool that they made a movie about it. So... If you guys didn't see the movie, we're going to talk about spoilers, so just know that. But, um... It was really well done. Um, I feel like it's worth a watch because it's not, like, your typical exorcism movie. And I think we all we all know what that is. They all kind of have their their typical scenes and typical tropes and things like that. And this 
this movie didn't have that at all. Um, and I think that even though it was a, a, a very fictionalized version of uh, certain things about Gabriel Amorth, especially the actual exorcism in and of itself. But um, I think that there were parts that were played that were true to who he was as a person. Um, and I also think that there were things that were mentioned in the movie that, um, I don't know, maybe part of the reason why people it got mixed reviews is because it pointed out the catholic church in a not so great light which i mean come on you know come on <laughs> come on <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> bombastic side eye. i mean just saying you know like criminal offensive <laughs> side eye. you know there were just some things that were said which i was just like but it was it was written into the film well enough that it made sense for the movie but also pointed out some things that i'm like yeah these are truths and they need to be said they they need to be said like no matter what you know if you want to have that belief or whatever or you want to be catholic that's fine but like you know there's things that need to be recognized so um also if anybody really wants to get a better idea of who father amorth really was i he did write a lot of books um at some point i'm gonna have to read some of his books there was also a documentary film that was made in 2017 um by william friedkin uh rest in peace he just recently passed away he was actually the director of the exorcist he was an incredible film director um he directed a movie, a documentary film about Gabriel Amorth. And not only does it really show you a lot of his personality, there is a part towards the end of the movie that it shows a real exorcism of a woman in this Italian village. Um, I could not watch all of that part. It really freaked me out. I was at home by myself trying to watch it. I'm just kind of giving a disclaimer for anybody who want, that wants to watch the documentary. I love documentaries. I watch a bunch of documentaries. Um, that one was just a little too much. Uh, I had never watched one. I've, I've heard recordings from exorcisms. I had never actually watched one. And uh, one thing that pointed out to me before I turned it off that was just very unsettling and I've heard this before and this is something that's been documented, documented and mentioned before in exorcisms that you will hear two different voices coming out of the person's mouth and you could hear that coming out of her mouth. I could hear that plain as day and I thought I this is just too uncomfortable for me. Plus there were things going on in my house that just were freaking me out at the time and I don't mess around with I started hearing noises in my own house that didn't sound familiar. I was by myself. I immediately turned it off and said a prayer and started saging. I don't mess around with stuff like that. Um, you guys have heard us talk about it. Casper's had experiences. I've had experiences. That was just too much for me. And when stuff started happening in my own house, I was like, um, no. It gets to a point You are not welcome. Okay? Not invited. It gets to a point no. where when you're watching something, me personally watching the OG Exorcist, when you start feeling a certain type of way while watching something, yeah. trust that and turn it off. Just turn it off. 
That has actually only ever happened to me one time in my entire life. That was but... the first time that that was the first time anything like that had ever happened. Yeah. Like that. And it was just a, knowing what I know and being what I've been through in the past. That was just enough for me. Plus, this wasn't even like I was watching a movie where this was happening. I was watching actual footage of someone going through an exorcism. No. And things started happening. And I was like, ah, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> This is getting a little too real for me. So we're just going to cut that out. Um, that that documentary, if anybody wants to watch it, I'm giving a trigger warning right now. If you want to do that, you welcome yourself to that. The documentary was on Netflix. I don't... I'm sure you can find it. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. But um, The Pope's Exorcist is on Netflix and Russell Crowe does play Father Amorth. Um... And it's supposed to actually be based on a couple of Father Amorth's books, An Exorcist Tells His Story and An Exorcist More Stories. So I'm sure it's like an amalgamation of actual cases that he had dealt with in the past. Um, but first, we are going to go ahead and kind of give everybody a quick like run through of who Father Amorth was um, and kind of tie-ins to exorcisms <clears throat> and um, his life and, and the movie and things like that. So uh, I'm going to say, you do you to want me to start? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You wanted to read that article because this was shortly after he did uh, mm -hmm. pass away. He lived a very long life though. He was 91. Yeah. Very, very happy. He got to live that long. I would say so. Um, so this is a article by Tracy Wilkinson written in September of 2016 after he had just passed. Um, he used to call himself the Vatican's exorcist and that was a pretty apt description. Officially, Father Gabriel Amorth performed exorcisms for the Rome Diocese. He revealed in the role... He re revealed... Good God, here we go. He reveled in the role and was never shy about talking about one of the... Which is... What is one of the Roman Catholic Church's most ancient, controversial, and religious rites? Which is exorcism. Exorcism is God's true miracle, Amorth told the Los Angeles Times in an interview in 2004. I've never been afraid of the devil, he said. In fact, I can say he is often scared of me. Amorth died this morning after a long illness. A Rome hospital where he had received treatment announced he was 91. Amorth helped promote the ritual of banishing the devil from people or places as is as it experienced something of a comeback in the 2000s. Exorcisms were embraced by then Pope John Paul II, who revealed having performed two or three of them himself. Amorth claimed to have performed scores of exorcisms, a ritual largely unchanged since medieval times that involves a series of prayers to denounce and drive out Satan. It enjoyed a renaissance as people sought a religious explanation for the evil they viewed in the world. The gregarious Italian-born priest blamed the devil for a host of ills, including pornography, drug abuse, and secularism. He even saw Satan lurking in, a, in magical wizard tales such as the Harry Potter series. Sounds familiar. <laughs> the Catholic Church teaches... I know, I always argue that. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. If that's if Harry Potter was the worst of them, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Harry Potter was... Nothing. The Catholic Church teaches that Satan is real, but Amorth's zealous pursuit of exorcisms and his showmanship made more progressive sectors of the church uneasy. Some priests and others prefer a more scientific approach to what may, many see as a mental illness, not demonic possession. 
I don't listen. I don't care what you say. You can have a mental illness, but there ain't going to be three or four different voices coming out of your fucking mouth if you have a mental illness. I'm sorry, but it's not. You're speaking an ancient dead language that you've Latin spoken before. Like, yeah. have you and learned nobody, Latin? I mean, I, I took Latin in high school, but Latin technically isn't even a spoken language. Like, I could probably still read Latin, but I'm... You hear me speaking it? Get somebody on the phone. That's all I'm saying. Like, if call I start someone. speaking it immediately, like, get, get call somebody, <laughs> anybody. Please, get them here, right now. <laughs> exorcists who are appointed by bishops are supposed to ensure that the person seeking an exorcism has first sought medical attention. Only when a medical answer is rolled out is the priest allowed to perform the ritual. Amorth said the 2004 interview that he followed those rules, but added, I know there are a lot of skeptics. The presence of e of the devil is often ignored. He also said that he loved the classic horror movie, The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin in 1973 and based on a 71 novel by William Peter Blatty. A few of the special effects might have been a tad exaggerated, Amorth said, but the movie eliminated the work of an exorcist and the dangers, dangers of devils. Although he had retired, Amorth held from, forth for many years from the compound belonging to the Congregation of the Society of St. Paul on the edge of Rome's historic center. He had a well-worn office. It's walls. Walls. I'm turned British real Wolf. quick. It's walls, pinted sea grain, and adorned with crucifixes and pictures of the archangel Michael and the saints. There he would see members of the troubled flock came out many a day at the height of his activities and when he deemed it necessary perform exorcisms. He would joke that the chamber was far from the street so that passerbys couldn't hear the screams. Sometimes he claimed the patients vomited odd objects such as AA batteries or screws. Oh my God. He said that he didn't, they didn't actually vomit the items, but Satan made them appear in the victims' mouths. Amorth was the author of several books on exorcism and other religious rites, including An Exorcist Tells His Story, translated into English in 1999. He founded the Internal International Association of Exorcists and helped train numerous exorcists. I almost said assassination. That's incorrect. Now he rests from his many battles with the devil. The Spanish theologian Father Jose Antonio Fortea told the Catholic News Agency in Rome. I feel like, you know, I'm one of those people that 100% believe in demons and exorcisms and God and things like that. But I'm like, I, there's a lot of things that are said now that I'm, I struggle to believe just because I'm deconstructing so much religious trauma. So it's like, it's fun. It's fun to read things like that because it's like, I believe 99% of this, but I'm always iffy on some, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why it's mentioned that, um, you know, and that was actually even mentioned a bit in the movie, The Pope's Exorcist, in the beginning of mm -hmm. the movie, which we'll go over, that um, even if it is necessarily a mental illness, just to know that the presence of God is there with you can be enough to help that in many ways. Um, and I think that's very true. I mean, I think even, you know, of course, mentioning, like, drug, the evils of drug abuse and... Um, you know, a lot of the tenets of alcohol, al Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, Narcotics Anonymous is, um, you know, like within the 12 steps is very religious, is about believing, um, you know, in a lot of ways, being able to overcome 
the evil of drug and alcohol abuse is by first and foremost having a belief in not only yourself but a belief in a higher power i mean it's almost like tentative to have a belief in a higher power um also how susceptible i mean we've seen it happen we've, we've talked about it before ronald defeo the amityville horror case is a prime example of that of how how weak it can make your soul when you're under the influence of that and you're even more susceptible to true evil to you know demonic possession um so this article ties in kind of more about uh father morth's real life uh kind of the tradition of exorcisms over the centuries and um getting into a little bit more information about the movie uh it was written for the conversation.com by brendan c walsh in april of 2023 uh father gabriel morth was undoubtedly the most famous Catholic exorcist of the modern era. By his account, Amorth performed at least 60,000 exorcisms during the course of his ministry, sparking a renewed interest for exorcism within Catholicism. Amorth was also known for his quote-unquote controversial statements. He claimed that both Hitler and Stalin were possessed by the devil. I mean, I don't he think... was born in 1925, so... You know. So was my grandma. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, you live through a lot. So, and he was, you know, and they he they talk about that in the movie. Like, I don't think that they were possessed by Nazi the devil. Germany, and I think they just were. Oh, I mean, I believe they were that, the devil. I think to believe in something like Nazism or anything that hellacious, there there is definitely an evil within that so i think it's not hard to believe that some of that wouldn't be attributed to possession in some way i mean it's, definitely it's definitely what is it oppression yeah definitely, definitely oppression yeah, yeah for sure um in 2012 he made headlines for asserting that there were pedophilic cults operating within the vatican so there is a character in the pope's exorcist that is mentioned um of a young woman that father in the movie that father amorth uh, did not believe was possessed and she later killed herself and he found out that she had been sexually abused by priests. So that character um, apparently was based on a 15-year-old girl named Emanuela Orlanda that in 1983 um, was kidnapped and Father Morth believes that her crime was sexual in nature and that she was kidnapped for uh, sex parties within the Catholic Church, within the Vatican itself. Um, I mean, listen, I think that's, I think that's very bold and brave of a man like that, especially to call out his own church. Good for that man. Good for him. Do you know that meme that says good, good for, for her? Good for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very much so. Modern popular culture was also an affront to Amorth. He, he railed against Ouija boards, yoga, and Harry Potter, believing them to be a gateway to the demonic. Okay, you know, I just have to say something really quick. What the fuck is it with yoga? Please, someone tell me. I think, I think that... More so what he's talking about is a when yoga became more popular in America, it was originally introduced 
by a uh it was um oh my god there's like there's again netflix i feel like we're plugging netflix to death here but <laughs> there's there is a documentary about it and i don't remember like they still use the name but they really obviously tried to remove themselves from this guy because there were like hundreds of reports that came out later about rape and oh, wow. sexual assault and, like all this other stuff and that he like stole a bunch of yoga moves and like lied about a bunch of shit but like basically this guy was like a modern guru and um he would do these like really intense hot yoga sessions and uh yeah there were just like all these like it was just a horrible horrible stuff that came out about this guy later but um i feel like that's a lot of the reason mm. is that when it first came out and especially the way this was done, it was so ritualistic and that people were almost treating it very cult-like. Mm. And I think anything that sort of takes on like a cult-like presence, especially within the Catholic church, there can be semblances of uh, demons, demonic, uh, you know, anything that would maybe be a gateway in that way. I think anything that sort of takes on like a cult like mass. Um I think even Harry Potter, I you know, I get it, wizards, I think that's mild compared to a lot, but I think anything that takes on a really cult like presence, presence, you know, celebrity, anything like that is not good. <laughs> I think it can definitely be a gateway to many things. I don't know, you know, I mean, I I guess demonic, um Ouija boards definitely and Ouija board you is guys have heard me tell that door story. Opener I don't. Demonic. I don't. No. 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 And some people are That's like, "Well, it's not if you use it correctly." Had, it doesn't. Yep, I nope, don't give a fuck. Nope. You can use nope. it correctly, and they can still come. If you don't know what you're doing. You don't need to be opening doorways to anything. Even if you do know what you're doing, you still. I don't. No. Be careful with that shit, Just man. Don't. Final warning. <laughs> Um, now Russell Crowe's new supernatural horror film, The Pope's Exorcist, fictionalizes Amort's exorcism ministry, adding in a century-old Vatican cover-up for good measure. Um, so this is some information about exorcism in the church. Exorcism has been a prominent rite of the Christian faith since its inception. During the first few centuries, exorcisms could be performed by all believers, and it played an important role in attracting outsiders to the burgeoning faith. As Christianity took hold across the Roman Empire, Exorcism shifted from a form of charismatic lay healing into a miracle carried out by figures of exceptional spiritual authority. From the 4th century, the liturgy of exorcism was refined as the early church assumed full authority over the ritual. The use of exorcism has waxed and waned over the centuries. During the mid-20th century, many clergy thought exorcism had no place in modern Catholic theology. Vatican II, an international conference of Catholic bishops held between 1962 and 1965, signaled a move away from exorcism as the church attempted to modernize. The 60s and early 70s represented a historic low in the practice of this ritual. The period following witnessed a backlash of conservative charismatic Catholicism with exorcism at the forefront. The work of Catholic exorcists such as Amorth played a significant role as legitimizing the modern practice of this ritual. This growing popularity provoked the Vatican to publish a new set of exorcistic guidelines in 1998 and increase the number of priests trained to address demonic possession. While many clergy remain skeptical, support for exorcism is present at all levels of the Catholic Church, and in the last decade, 
The practice has experienced a worldwide surge in demand. I wonder why. I can't, I can't imagine why. Well, and I also feel like, and this is just me putting in my two cents, that, you know, maybe the Catholic Church wanted to get rid of a lot of practices of exorcisms because... You know, maybe there was some evil shit going on within your own church and you didn't want that house. Just saying. Just saying. So exactly what is an exorcism? The Catholic Church divides exorcism into minor and major. A minor minor exorcism consists of sacraments and blessings used to treat demonic influence. The priest will usually deliver a prayer an invocation, or a litany upon the afflicted, and lay people may also pray on the afflicted's behalf. Typically, a minor exorcism is applied to all individuals being baptized into the Catholic Church. A major rite of exorcism is only carried out when there is a perceived case of demonic occupation. These rituals encompass readings of the Psalms and Gospels, reciting of specific exorcistic prayers, holy water, a crucifix, and the performing of the sign of the cross. The exorcist might also use the imposition of hands as well as the breathing breathing on a person's face, which is called exophilation. In this instance of Hollywood's sensationalist depiction of exorcism does at least get the basics right. The church requires a thorough medical and psychiatric examination before a major exorcism can be implemented. So I feel like that's something that's always put in a lot of movies that they push like, okay, we have to <clears throat> rule out a lot the before we full Emily on is the best before we example of that. this is you know boom this is an extra you know well they even do that in the exorcist they, because yeah. that, that actually does really that's something that really but happens. it makes sure it makes sense it why make sense. it would happen because if you do an exorcism on someone that doesn't have a demon it's actually incredibly not good especially it's like if, especially if they're uh schizophrenic mm-hmm. or paranoids schizoaffective disorder bipolar you you're definitely making that way worse um so canon law the code of laws governing the church dictates exorcisms can only be performed with express permission from the local ordinary a church officer who can execute these laws amorth however believed the need for exercising demons was so great he advocated for all catholic clergy that should be permitted to perform major exorcisms without acquiring permission. Amor seems to have had a carte blanche in fulfilling his exorcism ministry. Amor led a colorful life. As a teenager, he was part of the Italian resistance against the Nazis and their fascist collaborators. After the war, he studied law and was briefly a deputy to the future Italian prime minister, Giulio Andretti. I am so sorry. I'm going to butcher the hell out of that. I'm... Giulio Andriotti. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe. Um, in 1940, <laughs> it was better than what I did. In 1946, he entered the Society of St. Paul and worked as a journalist for the Catholic media. Amort's exorcism ministry didn't formally begin until he was 61, and he was unexpectedly appointed exorcist of the Diocese of Rome in 1986. He enthusiastically took his new vocation, serving as an assistant to notable exorcist father Candido Armentini. That was a lot easier. In the early 1990s, Amorth established the International Association of Exorcists, as Casper mentioned, becoming its longtime president. The association received Vatican approval in 2014 and now holds a biannual exorcism conference. I would love 
to go to that. A morgue <laughs> claim of performing over 60,000 exorcisms requires further investigation. In his biography, An Exorcist Tells His Story, Amorth clarified that an exorcism was an individual prayer or a ritual ranging anywhere from a few minutes to many hours in length. He could thereby perform dozens of exorcisms per day, usually on troubled souls appearing on his doorstep. By Amort's own admission, only 100 of the exorcism he performed were for outright demonic occupation. Again, that's still one too many. Um, Amort demonstrated a rather cavalier attitude towards exorcism. In his biography, he wrote that an unnecessary exorcism never harmed anyone. So I would actually like to look more know. into that too, because I've heard I've heard if you do an exorcism on someone that doesn't have an actual demon, that it's actually dangerous. So I'm not really, I mean, that's coming from an actual exorcist, so I don't know, but I would leave that up to a, a bit skeptic about that, to be honest. But I think, like I said before, I think even him mentioning that what he clarified as an exorcism could just simply be a prayer. Yeah. Not an actual, not, not the actual ritual. outright demonic possession where you're having to go in the whole rituals and rites and the whole bit. I think just finding someone that's trouble, like he said, just a troubled soul that just needs you to pray over them. I think in his opinion that that was considered more of, more of a minor. Because like they, like we even broke it down, in the Catholic faith, there's minor and major exorcisms. So he could have done thousands, tens of thousands of minor exorcisms where it was literally somebody just needed a prayer. They just needed to know that God was with them to a few hundred major ones where you know this is demonic, but you know this is a true demon living within this person and you have to go through the whole ritual process. So um, I think that's interesting too, because that's something that I never took into account, um, especially from the Catholic perspective of exorcisms, because to the lay person, um, if you weren't raised in that or didn't know about that, your your definition of exorcism is everything that we've seen on TV. It's the highly fictionalized. It's the whole, you know, the whole bit, the whole gamut, the whole ritual, everything. So um, just knowing that even a simple prayer over someone in, at least in Catholic exorcist eyes is also considered an, exor an exorcism. Just an exorcism of, of even... Even just the defin even just the definition to exorcise something is to rid of. So if your soul is troubled, that is negative energy on you. So just to have somebody go, God is with you, you are forgiven, whatever, whatever, it's exercising that negative energy off of you mm -hmm. to bring you into a better place and calm your soul and know that God is with you and that you and that it's gonna be okay. So just with even in the definition of the word itself, a simple prayer to lift you up in spirit and in God is an ex- I'm so sorry. Josh Groban moment. You raise me up. He does have an amazing voice. So I can say. Just never watch him that sing. Man, that man can't sing. Never watch him sing. Well, I can't, Just close your eyes, because he makes the ugliest fucking faces. I can't get over him as Andy Bernard's brother on The Office, so... Well, like, that's true. When you look at his... Like, 
when I look at, like, not only is it funny to look at his face when he's singing, it's like, that's all I see is just from the office. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't, you can't, you can't unsee it. You, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, so a more demonstrated a rather cavalier. Oh, I read that part. He also outlined the ritual itself was diagnostic only through the exorcism itself. Can we determine with certainty whether there is a satanic influence? This rationale explains Amorth's impressive exorcism record. Amorth is the ideal figure for dramatization. He neatly embodies the archetype of the Catholic exorcist, the courageous man of faith who rescues afflicted souls from the devil's clutches. This archetype continues to be enduring. It represents a traditional form of spiritual authority seldom seen in our modern society. If an individual has the power to exorcise demons, this can be seen as a validation of their faith, the devil, and God. As long as films like The Pope's Exorcist continue to perpetuate the Catholic Church's effectiveness against demonic incursion, exorcism will remain as a viable spiritual practice for the foreseeable future. Um, it doesn't surprise me that there's been a rise. <laughs> there's been a surge in demand for exorcisms. Like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, do people, do you, like, do you not see the, the world we're living in right now? Um, it is an absolute dumpster fire. Well, and I also think that a lot of it comes from, you know, just a lot of lies within the church themselves. And I don't even necessarily mean the Catholic church. I just mean the, the, there, there's so much and there's more judgment and indoctrination in a lot of churches than there is love mm -hmm. and being taught of God's love that people will lose it. You're like, why would I want to be inundated with this when all I'm feeling is guilt and shame every time I chump, I come to church from a God, from a supposed God that's supposed to love me. I don't feel loved. I don't feel loved at all. And I think that that can leave people so susceptible who feel lost. If, if you don't have a strong uh, family foundation, if you don't have friends, if you don't have other things to anchor you in life, you can feel so lost. And when you feel lost, people that feel lost are, will, will look for anything to fill that. That's what leaves people susceptible to cults. That's what leaves people susceptible to um, domestic violence situations. It puts people susceptible to, uh, now again, this is nobody's fault, but it's just that the, 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 the trauma and the pain that can come from feeling like something is missing, that, that you don't feel fulfilled as a person can lead you into situations that are so dire and so dangerous <laughs> drugs, domestic violence, um, and even certain practices that you really have no business practcing. And then before you know it, you done conjured up also God knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, done, you don't know what the hell you got going on. So like you, you've left yourself so susceptible to that, that I can see why there would be a surge in quote unquote demonic possession people that just feel so lost people that so are searching lost for anything are de demons are like moths to a flame oh for that. sure they're like 
Ooh, that's why a lot of times when you, you know, if you guys ever watched that movie called The Haunting, or movie, that show called The Haunting, which is the worst fucking reenactments in the world. Terrible. But, um, good a lot show of times that they're when you awful. either see that or you hear a lot of people that have been possessed, actual like demonic possession or a demon in their house, they lost someone recently. If you guys haven't noticed, there's a pattern with that. It's because when they lose that person, they become lost, essentially, and they don't know, you know, what to do or how to get over that loss in a healthy way. Demons smell that shit. They're like, oh, we got a vulnerable one here. Let's go after them. Um, drug addicts, alcohol um, abuse, any kind of anything like that where someone's feeling lost. There are demons lurking in the background, very much so. Just waiting. Well, and I, I feel like because your, your soul is exposed, mm -hmm. like you're you, you're you, you know you're just you're so your soul is so vulnerable to anything because you don't. There's nothing to ground you. There's nothing to anchor you. You don't have, um. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you don't, you don't have to be Christian or Catholic or whatever. I think just any belief in something that's bigger than you, that knowing that there is an answer and there is a, a reason and there is something that you're not alone in this universe. I think that can make you feel so connected and it can help you connect to others and it can be a really healthy thing. Um, but yeah, I think anytime that you're lost in any way and you're searching for something, your soul is immediately vulnerable. And it's just like Casper said, it's literally like, it's like moth to a flame with demons when you're, when your soul is, is vulnerable. Like you're just, you're left to, to anything at that point. And, um, so to get more into the movie itself, um, Again, like we mentioned, uh, Russell Crowe does play Father Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Amorth. Um, and this, the movie itself takes place in 1987, where a uh, family, a mother and her two children, just bought um, an old Spanish abbey. What? Look who plays the demon. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know what's crazy too is when I heard him talking, I knew I recognized that voice. I am so sorry. I jumped ahead. I just, I saw his face. Because you don't, you don't see the demon though. But his voice, I was the like, voice why is his voice demon. familiar? Oh, I didn't even put, I didn't even put two and two together. That's right. Anyway, you were saying, I am so sorry. I jumped so far ahead. It's the father and the witch. It's the fa father of the witch. He has a very, very recognizable it's voice a very for distinct, me. Distinct voice. He does. Also, so, uh, I would just like to say too that the guy who plays Father Tomas, which is the guy with, that's with Father of Morth, is in It Follows. And I could not place him until just now. I've only seen that movie one time. Do you not like it? I've only seen it once. Twice. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I take that back. Because I, I had to watch it, it twice. Because the first time I watched it, I did not like it. 
I really did not like it the first time I saw it. I really didn't. I didn't. You know what it was? Is it was one, the movie. This is why I'm very, I'm even more careful with movies that are hyped, uh, especially horror films. Because I feel like It Follows got hyped to the umpteenth degree and I saw it and I was like, I don't understand the hype. And I feel like that took me completely out of understanding the movie. I can understand Because I didn't get the hype. I really didn't get it. I I didn't understand. First of all, it, it wasn't scary to me I, i'm so tired and we'll get into that later but i'm I'm so tired of these oh my god the movie is so scary and then i go see it and i'm like I, okay i guess we all collectively have different definitions of scary it was creepy it was freaky worst std ever like fuck right. that um stalker std like it was like awful that. uh but like i i couldn't i couldn't i so going back and watching it a second time i was like Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. This is a good movie. This is a really good movie. This is good. I, I enjoyed it. But the first time I watched it, all I kept focusing on was the hype. And <laughs> I, I finished it and I was like, I don't, where's the hype? This wasn't scary. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I firmly believe that when people like, you know, how Netflix or Hulu or whatever, they'll come out and say, this is the scariest movie ever. People turn it off in like 15 minutes and I'm like, I don't think people are turning it off in 15 minutes because it's too scary. Yeah, they're turning it off. In 15 they're turning it off because not it's stupid. Good. But anyway. And it follows I wouldn't have turned off. I it The story kept me. Right. But the reason I get why I haven't watched from. it since is it's not really one of those movies that I just put on all the time. I have a lot of horror movies like that that I can just sit and just put on and watch a million times. That's not really one of those movies that I could watch a million times. Honestly, that's kind of even movies that I really liked are just kind of one and done. And it follows was just kind of a one and done for me. It's just it's be really like that. not one of those movies that I would sit and watch a bunch. But that's not to say that I didn't like it. I just it pissed me off that I feel like it was almost overhyped. Oh, okay. It was definitely orig- an original story. I'd never seen anything like that done before. I thought that was really imaginative, but like all these, oh my God, it was groundbreaking and it was so scary and did it. And I'm like, did we watch the same movie? Oh boy. I'm <laughs> telling you, I've had a lot of those. I really like the Babadook but... will always take the cake with me with that. That was incredibly overhyped. I did not like it. It wasn't scary. I, I couldn't get past the, the piece of shit mother. Yeah, even the even the thing didn't scare me. She mm-hmm. did, right? She was awful. Fuck that. Once bitch. the Babadook came up, I was like, <laughs> um, like he didn't scare me at all. Like that didn't. No. The concept of the movie was great. The book tie-in and all that, I I I liked. I thought was very original. But I don't think enough people could get past the fact that this woman was so fucking terrible and this was literally child abuse and she was the fucking monster the whole goddamn time because i'm so tired of this shit well no it was grief in the watch haunting of hill house that's grief yes not the bob it up yes thank you there's there's plenty of other horror examinations of of grief okay? watch hereditary that's grief oh boy Boy, <laughs> if you've been through some shit, that 
Ari Aster's your man. Ari Aster just A24, period. But Ari Aster, you got some trauma. You got some family shit going on. Hereditary and Midsummer is for you. Yes. Bad relationships, trauma. Is Ari Aster okay? He's, no. <laughs> Bo is afraid, showed us all that Ari Aster is not okay. And I, I still really want to watch I that. I don't. I can't do it. I just, I read enough that I was just like, I'm not going to do this to myself. I can't. I can't. I only have so few brain cells left. I'm almost 40. I'm like, you know, it's just, there's just too much going on right now with me and in the world to sit through that. I just, I can't do it. I feel like if I lose any more time and brain cells in this life right now, I'm never going to recover. So there's just certain stuff. I'm just like, nah, man, y'all just are going to have to, I'm going to have to sit that one out. Bo is afraid. I'm going to have to sit. I read the synopsis and I went, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing that. The rest of y'all can do that. I am, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing I'm going to do it, but oh, I have to mentally prepare myself for it. I mean, you're still young and you still, <laughs> well, you might, you might have not killed as many Brussels as I have. So, I don't know. I, I didn't see the turning. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like there should be a settlement. Like if you are someone you love. <laughs> Have you or someone you loved went to the movie theater or spent money to watch the movie The Turning? You, you may be eligible for, for compensation. compensation. God, that movie was so fucking bad. If you want, and I know oh we're going God. one thing and then we'll get back on track here, but if you oh want to watch God, it, a, a bright representation of The Turn Ooh. of the Screw, watch The Haunting of Bly Manor. These other people, Mike Dickens, doing it right. I'm just saying, like everything. The man's got grief. The man's got religious trauma. The man's got. Um, Apparently, he can't miss. He can't. So, well, Midnight Club. But he didn't fully direct that on his own. Oh, fully then, write that. So that's probably why. There you go. He fully wrote, directed Fall of the House of Usher, wrote, directed Haunting of Hell House, wrote, directed Haunting of Blind Manor. You can tell when it's him. I cannot wait to start uh, Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, it's so good. I'm, oh, I'm my God. That soon. I just, uh, I was listening to the radio the other day, and this DJ was talking about how incredible the soundtrack is. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. That right there would pull me in. But it's he, very good. I, one thing that I really love and appreciate about him is his, that, uh, like Scorsese, Scorsese does, Tarantino does, is I really love these directors who keep reoccurring cast members and just, you know, just keep rotating them through it. Like, and Mike Flint, oh, I love, I love, I love that he does that. I love when directors do that. I love that so much. Well, and then it shows you. I feel like, too, that is an appreciation to that director that they keep this. It's like a family. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they they all want to work and you together always and they know, want to work with this director. You always know it's going to be good because of their chemistry. Yeah. Because they've yeah. worked together so many times that they have such good chemistry family. that the, it's even better. Yep. 
One one thousand percent. One thousand percent. Because there's so many people in the fall of the House of Usher. I'm like, they're from Midnight Mass. They're from Midnight Mass and Hush. They're from Midnight Club. They're from like literally. I'm like, look, it's just Flanagan's. Well, even the main guy is Gerald's game. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the that was Carla Gugino. That was my Flanagan, right? Because I know, or is that Stephen King? Was that Stephen King? I mean, Gerald's game is Stephen King, but I think Mike Flanagan did the uh, oh, okay the movie. Okay, I'm pretty sure he did. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Because I kept going. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, is he? Wait. <laughs> Screw that up. That is amazing. No one's ever seen. But I also game. loved to see like you know new faces like uh, Willa Fitzgerald, which is the main girl in the uh, Scream MTV Scream. Is in this, so that was actually really cool to see her. That I'm glad you suggested to watch because I had no desire to watch that. Oh my god, it's so good! Because I was sort of like, What you know, because I'm so true to the movies, and then people were like, Wait, was Craven signed off? And I was like, Oh, okay, if it didn't get his blessing, I wouldn't want anything to do with it, me either, yeah, because. There's just no. certain things that are sacred. And you just... Scream is sacred. And you just don't... Mm-mm. But anyway, going back to the Pope's Exorcist. Back to the Pope's Exorcist. Um, <laughs> Great cast, though. I, I very this much... This was a really well speaking done... Speaking of Mike Flanagan, though, you might have actually recognized somebody in this. And I recognized her. She is the mother of the children. Mm-hmm. She is in... Um, She's in Starry Eyes. She actually <laughs> plays the original, or the main girl in Starry Eyes. She's in Midnight Mass. Yeah, so apparently that was her first... She's a Canadian actress, and I just found this out, that Starry Eyes was her first lead role. She was in Midnight and Mass. She was in Doctor Sleep, Hot Fly Manor. get the love that it deserves. Starry Eyes is an incredible movie, and everybody needs to watch that movie. So she's actually another... She's another Mike Flanagan... Um, Oh, that's right. Well. So she, um, in Doctor Sleep, when they have to do the reenactments from The Shining, that's another one everybody needs to watch if you haven't seen it. Um, especially if you're a fan of The Shining, it was so good. Uh, she plays Wendy Torrance. Like the way they have the makeup, it, it's so, yeah. Like you, you know, you know, it's not like obviously it's not Shelley Duvall, but like. She plays it well enough that it it works. It 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 does work really well. She's a really great actress. By the way, she was born in Saudi Arabia. Did you know that? Damn. No. That's crazy. I just found that on IMDb as well. <laughs> I'm like, no, I would have never had Yeah, that she's idea. from Saudi Arabia. Hmm. So the the movie takes place at this Spanish Abbey, um, Julia, who's the mother, her husband passed away, and this was uh, her husband. This Abbey was in her husband's family, so it was given to them after he passed away. <coughs> Their son, Henry, has not spoken since the accident. And uh, after some some things start happening in the Abbey as it's being restored, and essentially he later becomes possessed. So you find out that this abbey um, was actually the grounds of where uh, 
the founder of the Spanish Inquisition was possessed. And uh and they, they go more into this into the movie that um as the Spanish Inquisition now again this is all fictionalized, but in the movie the Spanish Inquisition happened because um the Pope at the time was possessed by the devil. And that was like one of the worst times for the Catholic Church and it was just all covered up where there were just over there were just hundreds of thousands of people that were completely unjustly tortured in the name of God. Um and there were just other, you know, one of the other things that were mentioned was uh the young woman that um Father Morth felt like he couldn't help. And so there were just there were a lot of things that he actually had spoke out in real life that he didn't agree with within the Catholic Church that they, <coughs> excuse me, mentioned in the movie that I thought was just absolutely perfect and also stayed, it stayed true to the movie itself too. Um, but yeah, there's also, uh, Father Tomas is a young priest that the family meets when they first arrive and, uh, as Henry becomes possessed and asks for a priest, he thinks that he's asking for him and he's actually asking for Father Amorth because. Which is absolutely demon, crazy yeah. because he literally just opened this <coughs> hole in the wall and was possessed. There was, there was no time. <laughs> they, they got, the movie started and then within like 10 minutes we got right into the plot. Like there was no, there was it, no time. It definitely plays on that thing where like, you know, you hear that all the time about these, like, old houses being restored, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it, like, stirs up a lot of activity, and typically, though, that's, like, the owners of the home may have passed away in the house, and they still haunt it, and they don't want anybody coming and changing things and renovating things, whereas in this story, it was actually the restoration that had awakened this demon that... <coughs> at the time during the Spanish Inquisition possessed one of the most powerful exorcists in that time that it wanted to uh, possess the most powerful um, exorcist in this time, which would be Father Amorth. And to go even deeper, what do they do? They get into a story of, what is that? That there's, um, what was that map that he found? They're basically wanting to, because I was trying to forget how that tied in the, with the Bible. The map that was were, um, the location, or they were trying to find the location of all of the demons that escaped, or the fallen angels, to say. There was like, they said there was around like 200 of them. Okay, yeah, that there were 200 um, at the time, I guess would that be the time of when the devil... Or when Lucifer, that there were... That's what they were saying, yeah. When Lucifer fell with the angels. That there were 200... That fell to earth. Fell to earth. And that Asmodeus, which was this demon, was one of them. And when they sent Asmodeus! Him back, <laughs> sent, thank you, Instagram. And TikTok. When they sent him back to hell, that there are still 199 um, places on earth where they fell so there's still 199 demons that need to be did he say something like one down 199 to go or something yeah. like that <laughs> and him, 
So he eventually um, takes care of the demon, but it's it's very cool in the movie how it's it's just it's so interesting to see how they eventually you know go about it because he was like basically telling Father Tomas that he needed his help. Father Tomas had his own shit that was going on, and he was you know he was basically like you need to get your shit together because this demon's gonna know everything. And he was even impressed with how much the demon knew. So obviously you were like, this is a very powerful demon. And they were like, you know, if we know its name, it gives us power over it. Um, the thing to me that set this movie apart from other exorcism movies was the fact that it was done on somebody who was real. Like as far as the exorcist is concerned, his personality, because he was funny as shit. Um... And that, cause he would, he would literally fuck around with these demons. Like he would banter with them and it honestly was funny until he, he would banter with them because most of the time he would think they're not actually possessed. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh shit, <laughs> because he'd realized that they were actually possessed. Um, but another thing that sets this one apart for me is that it is just just the way that it's done, because if, you, if you've just watched a shit ton of exorcism movies and then watched this one, this one's just not overdone. It's not one of those movies where it's like, this is completely unbelievable. It's actually pr slightly, you know, decently <laughs> believable. And obviously, like Becky said, it is fictionalized. There's a lot of fiction in it for the mo movie's purpose. But, um... I don't know. I just really liked how it was done. I really liked the way that they figured out the de the demon's name. They figured out how the abbey was actually um, very important in the Spanish Inquisition in figuring out how the demon was there, how the demon got released. Um, because it was crazy because the boy literally just removed a brick and looked through and got possessed like that. So... You know, that in itself, I was like, that's not believable because usually it takes time. But with a more powerful demon like Osmodius, it made a lot of sense. Also, I'm sorry. I feel like I just word vomited, but. No, <laughs> no, I think that totally makes sense. Um... <laughs> but it was very interesting because like, you know, Osmodius is actually one of the biggest, um, <coughs> one of the seven, ru seven rulers of hell, I think it is. Um. But it was interesting, and when they found his name, I just started cracking up because I couldn't stop singing Osmodius. And if you have a TikTok, you will know. Or an Instagram. Yeah, and apparently he specifically, so where cer certain demons have an association with deadly sins, and Osmodius is specifically associated with the sin of lust. Um, interesting. Which seemed to make a lot of sense, mm -hmm. especially like with Tomas, with Father Tomas's case, like falling in love with a woman, fornicating without being married, um, and that was all. Was that prior to him being a priest, or while he was a priest? It was while. Oh, while he was a priest. Yeah, okay. prior and while, because I think he fell in, he love, fell with in love with her while he was training to become a priest, but I don't think he stopped. Once he actually started, like, doing, you know, becoming an actual priest. Yeah. Literally yeah. the plot line of the Exorcist series, which we'll talk about at some point. <laughs> that he basically, yeah. It, like, Same name, over, too, which was funny. Over him becoming, like, his faith in wanting to become a priest took over and him actually wanting to marry her. But that, like, was def that was definitely something that 
you know, like the demon is going to prey on your vulnerabilities. So anything that it knows about you that it can uh, say to you to, to break you down, it's going to do. And that was something that was really important to get out that both like Tomas and Gabriel were like, okay, we need, we both need to, to speak this out and forgive ourselves and ask God for forgiveness so that we can actually be able to take this thing on. I loved that scene. <clears throat> I loved that scene so much because like Father Amorth was like, okay, listen, we have got to get our shit together. So like he's talking about his past shit. Tomas is talking about his past shit. They're getting everything on the table. They're literally forgiving each other. Like they're having a priest confession. I loved that scene. I really did because they were like really preparing each other and really helping each other get ready for the the uh pos or the possession the exorcism they were about to do so not only did i like that i really liked i liked the ending i liked the actual like exorcism part at the ending when asmodeus actually possesses father amorth for yeah that was really cool and tomas has to be strong enough to take over to uh exorcise asmodeus from him and send him back to hell um there was another part in the beginning of the movie that i really liked that i really enjoyed um that I felt was really true to who father to who the real father Amorth was as a person. And that was in the beginning after there was a man that was seeming to be possessed and uh, <clears throat> father Amorth performs an exorcism on him and he's called into a tribunal um, in front of the church and um, in front of a group of bishops who said that, you know, he didn't, he didn't act accordingly. He was supposed to ask permission. Um, one of them was just completely even skeptical, skeptical about demonic possession at all. Like he was, he, I felt like he was kind of an amalgamation of what we talked about in that article about there being groups of, <clears throat> especially Catholic the theologians that just really want to do away with having anything to do with uh, exorcisms because they just consider them more, theatrical than actually helpful or maybe even harmful more than they are helpful and father amorth really steadfastly holding on to that evil does exist and exists in all forms and that it wasn't necessarily an actual exorcism but it was something done to help a mentally ill man which i think goes back to what we were talking about with the minor exorcisms like just giving this man a prayer to give him hope that God is with him to help him <clears throat> mentally, I feel like was enough. Whereas in some cases, it probably would have been harmful depending on the case. I think that Father Amorth kind of lived by this rule that there was sort of evil in everything, that there were just different degrees of it. And that <clears throat> maybe where this mentally ill person just needs a prayer, another person might be under a real demonic attack that needs like a serious exorcism like in the movie henry ended up needing um so i felt like that part in the movie and then him storming out like just like i'm not listening to this the pope is my boss i don't have to listen to you you need to talk to him if you have a problem with what i'm doing i felt that that was one part that you there were you know there were little parts too where <clears throat> he would make little sounds or stick his tongue out or you know have a swig of whiskey or whatever that, but I felt like as a whole, for there to be like an, a, a big part in the movie itself that was really true 
to who Father Amorth was as a real person. It was that scene in particular where he's like, I'm not taking anybody's shit. I have a job to do and I take my job seriously. And I feel like evil is everywhere in many aspects. And when I'm called to be needed, I'm called to be needed. I don't need to ask anybody's permission to do so. So I can understand on their end, but I think <clears throat> with respect to him, can totally understand where he was coming from. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like um, the movie as a whole compared to like your typical exorcism movies was different. And I felt like it threw a lot of, like Casper also said, the, the main component being that this was about an actual exorcist. Um, somebody that had actually perform exorcisms that had stories and written books about it and different experiences. Also just, there was just a lot about the storyline and different things that just seemed very different. Um, and again, I really appreciated the, the, the real punch up of like, no, we're going to say this. There are evils within the Catholic church. There are <laughs> evil things. There are cover ups. There is sexual abuse. There were awful things that have happened within the church the real father amorth came forward and called it out the movie called it out and it should be called out even if you still decide to follow that if you were raised with it whatever it should be called out so um i appreciated it i thought it was well done um in many aspects and i thought it was to a real respect uh for doctor um, or for father amorth rather <laughs> And uh, apparently they announced that they are going to work on a sequel. I hope um, so. They definitely left it open for one. And I, I'm i like what Becky said. I really think that they did a good job holding him, you know, respect in the film. And um, it's too bad he's not here to see it. You know? I think he would have thought it was fun. I think he would have enjoyed it. Yeah. I think he definitely would have thought it was fun. But... I thought it was very well done. I did too. I I very much if, even if you're not really a fan of exorcism movies, give this one a shot. It's it's different. I feel like it is too. Yeah, if you're if I'm kind of on the same boat of like they're pretty much all the same and they just kind of get to the point where they're cheesy. Uh I'm not I don't gonna, think this one This one kind of gave me very nun vibes. Yeah. To be honest with you, if you have ever, if you like The Nun or The Nun 2 at all, this one kind of gave me those kinds of vibes where it's like, there's more that the demon is going after than just a soul. It's not just a random extra or uh, a random possession. Like it's actually there, there is a behind the scenes plan. And it felt very much like The Nun to me. And I liked that. I, I very much liked that. <clears throat> Yeah, I feel like the whole scene with the demon, the Abbey, everything. And then the Exorcist series, yeah. of course. If you guys have seen the Exorcist series, it's very much like the first season. It kind of hits like that, too. That there's more behind the scenes going on than just random possessions. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm kind of salty. I wish I would have <laughs> so, seen where that was going to go. <laughs> where the series was going to go. The series, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure they eventually point. were going to get to the point where they were going to have a demon possess the Pope. But I I don't know. I, I feel like that's what was happening. But Well, towards the end, too, I definitely <clears throat> feel like that's, that's where that was 
that's where that was going. They were really hinting towards a lot of like, as much as the, well, and I guess that's another thing that this one, that the Pope's exorcist sort of talked kind of hinted hinted a little bit about that. um, The, the exorcist series really delved into, especially in the second season about how much, about how the devil had literally infiltrated the church and was getting closer and closer and closer to possessing the Pope, which ultimately they wanted to happen because if the Pope had, if the devil has control of the Catholic church, the devil has control of everything. Um, you know, and that was hinted in the Pope's exorcist. That, mm-hmm. uh, one of the exorcists involved, one of the priests that was an exorcist involved in the Spanish Inquisition was possessed by a demon um, so the devil had at that point control over the Catholic church and that that was Asmodeus's plan was to find the other 199 fallen angels, demons across the earth and have them rise up and take over the Catholic church. So, you know, that means you have the ultimate power. If evil's able to take over the, the biggest church, the top church, you've got all the power. Um, do you think he went down to Georgia? You know, like I would hope not. The, devil, I, the I, devil's in Georgia, apparently. I feel like... He went down to Georgia. I feel like he would pick somewhere better. I mean, I'm just saying, go up into Georgia, but, like, of all places. <laughs> like, why? Why? I don't understand There's that song. There's so many other places. Why did he go down to Georgia? I don't either. I can't... <laughs> There's too much noise, and it's too fast. He went down to Florida. Listen, I'm changing the song. The devil's in Florida. Anyway, go on. The weather is like a hot ball sack down there. So, you know what? Florida it's, is a hot ball sack. It's, it's hell. So, I yeah, the devil's in Florida. For sure. And on that note. I, I say that proudly. <laughs> um, so on that note, guys, we are done with tonight's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Please watch The Pope's Exorcist if you have not already. Um, it is currently on Netflix, uh, if you can find the documentary about Father Amorth that William Friedkin directed, um, it's worth a watch and uh, read his books for sure if you're able to. Um, so next week, we are actually, I thank you. Uh, I'll have to shout, I'll have to find this TikTok creator. I'll find it. We'll shout it out next week. Um, but I came upon this story today on TikTok. Uh, this is local. This is in Ohio. This is, I've never been to Akron, Ohio. That's some hours away from where we are, but, um, it's Ohio based. Uh, we are bringing back, um, not necessarily a serial killer, but we are doing a true crime episode. I don't know why it feels like we haven't done a true crime episode in a thousand years. Because we've been really focusing on cults. Um, (laughs) we have been big on cults. We will get back to cults. It's just that this one came across the board. I've never heard of it. I feel like it's a story that a lot of people haven't heard of. Even being in Ohio, I hadn't even heard of it. So, uh, I do like to bring attention to true crime that have happened here and ones that people just may not be familiar with. And this one's fairly new because the sentencing literally just happened last September. Um, a 23 year old woman three years ago had been lying uh pretty much about the majority of her life up until that point getting kicked out of college whole bunch of different shit was keeping everything from her family and uh to keep the cover-up going she brutally murdered her mother and blamed it on a mental breakdown and she was just recently sentenced in september 
So we are going to be talking about this story because it is, the backstory is just insane. And it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where it's sort of left up to you to interpret. Like, do you believe that this was just like a selfish narcissist sociopath that was just so hell bent on keeping up a lie that she just brutally murdered her mother and is now playing off that she had a psychotic break or is this someone who was just so tired of being perceived as perfect that she finally just completely broke and cracked and killed her mom in the process and now she regrets it and I don't know who knows I, I also I like stories like that too where I feel like even in the end, even after the sentencing, even after the jury has made up their mind and all that, there's still, like, it's still not decided in the court of public opinion. You're mm-hmm. going to have one group that's going to be like, we feel bad for her. This is awful. Like, that she just lost her mind and did that to his, did that to her mom. But, like, she's remorseful. She went crazy, yada, yada, yada. And then you have this group that is like, absolutely not. She's totally lying. She's a liar. She's crazy. She killed her mom. She doesn't care. This is all an act. So I feel like that's another reason why I really want to talk about it is because not only the story's crazy, but I love when things are kind of left up to interpretation like that. Because I feel like this is definitely one of those cases where there's going to be this side and then there's going to be this side. Mm-hmm. Like... The court decided, but the court of public opinion is still out. Like, we don't know. So, um, the case of Sydney Powell, stay tuned for next week. Um, and then we know it's October, guys. And I know you guys probably feel like we haven't talked about a lot of spoofy stuff. But Halloween falls on a Tuesday, November 1st. We will be bringing you guys a really awesome, fun Halloween horror episode. We talked about it. We can't wait to bring it to you guys. And that's going to be our true Halloween episode for this year. And we are really, 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 really excited to talk about it. And it's funny we haven't talked about it yet. I mean, we've kind of hinted at it throughout episodes, but we've never actually done a full episode about it. So I'm excited. Also, everybody go see Saw X. We saw it last night and really, really enjoyed it. This, if you was... are a fan of the Saw Th- Okay, films. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And only if you are a fan. Thank you. Otherwise, you are not going to like it. Thank you for going to be honest. 1,000%. Um, any hate that I've seen of this movie is people that were not fans. And this was a fan-driven movie. And I loved it. What is I that? This was a, a fan pleaser. That's all it was. And, that's, and you know what? There are just some movies that... That's what they're meant to be and nothing else. And not even just not even just in the horror genre. It's like we know that that this movie has a fan base. So we're going to make a sequel or we're going to do whatever because we know that um, maybe not everybody will like it, but the hardcore fans will love it. And that's exactly from beginning to end. That's exactly what this movie was. This was for the hardcore fans. And I am a huge hardcore fan of the Saw franchise. And ev- and I loved everything about this movie. I really, really, really did. It was very good. It was we very, We both very even good. got a little emotional. I will warn you, if you've ever 
I'm just prefacing this right now. If you've ever lost a loved one close to you to cancer, this movie is going to hit hard. You're going to be really fucking mad. Yeah. I was really mad. <laughs> I got emotional. There was a lot. I had to reel a lot of it back. I was like, this ain't about you. But it's it's it was hard. It was hard not to take. It was hard not to bring personal feelings to it if you've had, <clears throat> if you've if you've lost a loved one to a terminal illness like that. So it's... if you're not sure about it, you know, if you if you're like, I really don't want to go back and watch all of them, at least watch the first two. Um, if you want to understand the credit scene, you have to watch through at least, honestly, just watch them all. Because what happens is, is... It does exactly what all of the movies do. It wrap, it wraps, it does, it doesn't wrap around. It does a big wrap around. <laughs> it does such a wrap around, and it's so brilliantly done the way it's done, and it's such a fan service. And just rewatch. And I tell a lot people like, well, it's just torture porn. I used to think mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I really did. I used to think that four through seven were just torture porn, and they were stupid and had no meaning to anything. Um, watch one through seven within a week, and while they're all fresh on your seven. mind, well, uh, yeah, seven's whatever, but it's seven like necessarily. But because mm. I just within the last three days, I've watched one through six again, and I would say for for just the movie itself, you at least need to watch. The first two, if not the first three. You really need to understand Amanda and John's dynamic if you're going to watch Saw X. Otherwise, don't even bother. If you're going to watch the post-credit scene, you need to watch at least one through six. Otherwise, you are going to be way off. You know who the fuck? Um, you're not going to have a clue what's going on. So if you haven't at least seen one through three, I wouldn't even bother watching the movie. Um... If you're not a big fan of the series, if you think it's torture porn, if you kind of watched maybe the first one and that was it, don't watch this movie. All you're going to do is bitch moan and complain about it, and nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> There's enough actual things to bitch moan and complain about in this world. Right. <laughs> not you going to see a movie that going in, you already knew you weren't going to like, which would people just stop doing that? Especially if it's a franchise film and you didn't like the franchise, but then you still go see the movie and you're like, this was stupid. This is why I like the franchise. Oh my God, shut up. You're awful and you're stupid. Go away. Like to, thank you. If you don't like it, don't watch it. If other people like it, let them enjoy it, okay? I'm we, so fucking sick and tired of people in this need, fucking world not letting people enjoy things. We need something. We need something. We are barely holding <laughs> on. Okay? <laughs> you know, I read so really quick before we uh, end, it, end it. I read that. Um, so I'm sure everyone has heard that they're going to start drafting women for the war. Whatever. Oh, my God. The memes. But listen, I also read, and this is real. If you have been on anti-anxiety or anti-depression medication for at least a year, it disqualifies you. I was like, then you're not drafting currently. currently. If you're not, then in that case, you're not drafting anybody. Well, then they also say under 30. So I'm way 18 out. to 25. Oh, I'm out. 
But I'm it's funny anyway. because I'm like, you that's do fine. realize that's the generation. I'm too old. We Yay. are the generation that are on pills. Like, <laughs> especially that generation, 18 to 25. Are you crazy? Gen Z? All, all of Gen Z is on something. Same. All of them. I'm are. not Gen Z, but same. <laughs> they're they're vaping. They're on Valium and Red Bull. Like they're on they're on. I just something. thought that was funny. I was like, Gen not- Z is not out here raw dog and lights. I'm gonna tell you that right now. They definitely are not. I honestly don't even think um, millennials are. I don't think millennials are either. I think we're all. I was so just tired. saying this earlier today that if you genuinely are out here raw dogging life, like you don't even like take melatonin to sleep or smoke a cigarette or a joint or a shot or anything like if you literally are just doing nothing you are a sociopath i am convinced right you're a sociopath (laughs) how you have you you have uh penises in your in your freezer you you have chopped off left feet in a trunk in your basement you you have dead bodies in the walls like I'm just convinced there's you're nobody is nobody is gonna tell me any different. With the last like even three years, I'm not even good I, I could go so farther back. But even in the last three years, if you are out here, not a cigarette, not a melatonin, not nothing, not nothing. Just just air and sun and that's it. I'm high on life. No, you're high on killing people, Mark. That's what you do. You you kill people. You, I will be side-eyeing people who are raw dog in it. You, because you're not. Like, nothing? No. You're, mm-mm. Get away from me. Get away from me. Let me see your computer history. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your hard drive. <laughs> Don't you fucking delete that shit. Let me see the woman that spanks you and calls you names. Yeah, you're, you know, you're like, getting, no, you're no. getting pegged or, or, Renting a dominatrix or something like you're doing, you're doing something. There is no fucking way. Fucked up, freaky, or whatever that you're just no. I'm just convinced nobody is out here just normal, just ha ha, just living in the sunlight. Nobody's fucking doing that. Nobody's. There's no way at this point. There's no fucking at this point. No, no, nobody, nobody. (laughs) Not even the boomers. They're getting their medical marijuana card. They're like they're out here. They're all. Taking gummies and shit. <laughs> Not even the boomers are out. The boomers are they're on. They're on something too. Like they, they can't do it either. Like oh, if it isn't the consequences of your own fucking actions. Your actions. Thanks. Anyway, Thanks. so uh, real quick before we go over the socials, uh, we are having a sale. Uh, we are having a sale on our merch until the 24th of November, which is Black Friday. Yes. Uh, if you use DFWTO Ween. Yes, D-F-W-T-O-Ween, W-E-E-N. You get 31% off your order uh, from now until, excuse me, uh, November 24th, like I said. And, of course, D-F-W-T-O-Ween is for Halloween and 31 is for the 31st, obviously. So, Um, But that's actually a really good deal. Uh, We decided to extend it a little bit longer and do a little bit more of a percentage just because... um, you know, we want you guys to definitely be able to afford the merch. We we know that right now, fucking life is fucking us in the ass without lube right now uh, for money. So um, we hope you guys can land some cool merch. Definitely check it out. It's always in the link. Uh, if you just check the, uh, or if you click the link, it'll be under DFWTL merch. 
to be a great um, jump start for the conventions next year um you know if you've got some loved ones out there that you know are horror fans or fans of our podcast and you know you want to get yourself something for christmas you want to get yourself something or you want to get something for a family member um like we said we know times are hard so this would be a good time to jump on that on that sale all right, guys, and of course, you know, we have our socials at Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Instagram, uh, DFWTO podcast, uh, 88, the handle 8811, no, DFWTO 8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say, hey, you can email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And lastly, excuse me, my Lord, um, too much pizza, too much pizza. <laughs> And lastly, um, if you would like to give us a follow, subscribe, always know when we put up new episodes out and give us a rating, you can do it on Google Podcasts, Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify, and we very much appreciate that. So, I think we got it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, go watch the Pope's Exorcist. We appreciate your support as always. We love you guys, and remember, don't, don't fuck with the original. original. Okay, bye! Bye!